Last week, we talked about future-proofing your organization. This week, we're talking about something very important to keep in mind while fundraising. After decades of nonprofit leadership impacting thousands, we hit a wall. We started asking ourselves, how can we go beyond our personal success and leave a legacy that lasts far beyond our lifetimes? A job change and multiple conversations with stressed out nonprofit leaders later, our desire to help nonprofits grow in a healthy and sustainable way was bigger than ever. If you're a leader at the top or in the middle of a volunteer and donor-based organization, this podcast is for you. We believe that a better world needs healthier nonprofits, and it's our passion to help you fulfill your organization's mission while helping you live a fulfilled life. I'm Ted. And I'm Lisa. Welcome to the Legacy Builders Movement. So we've taken part in fundraising. I've been doing, you know, fundraising since I was a kid. I was in the Boy Scouts, and we would do lots of different fundraiser stuff throughout the year. We'd do, uh, like, selling popcorn and selling flower bulbs and, like, going door to door. Remember, like, schools would do their fun school fundraiser things? If you raise thousands of dollars, you got a crappy five-cent toy. Oh, that five-cent toy, though. It was a toy. <clears throat> Uh, we did selling Christmas wreaths for youth group. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, there were a ton of fundraisers that we were part of growing up and then we transitioned into helping with fundraisers for nonprofits. Mm -hmm. Um, and recently we've stepped back into participating in a fundraiser, which was kind of a fun and different, like <laughs> a different change of pace. It's yeah. cool going back into it after you know more about it, like growing mm -hmm. up. I know how it was for you, but I'm going to speak for myself first. Like, my family didn't do the fundraisers, really. Hmm. Um, like, my parents didn't even do, like, the pity buy so I could get the first base prize. It was just like, <laughs> no, we're, we're just not doing this. Yeah. And, I mean, that's that's fine, but it left a taste in my mouth for fundraisers that was like, ugh, no one wants to do these. <laughs> no one wants to participate. No one wants to buy anything. Yeah. Um. You can talk about your background a little bit. No, too. Uh, yeah, like so. So me growing up, we would do all these fundraisers, but um, <clears throat> it was really up to me as the kid to just go and do it, and wasn't like given a lot of coaching on it or whatever. I don't really blame anybody, uh, other than just normally in those situations in nonprofits, you kind of give the kids the magazine. You say, "Okay, go do it." <laughs> like, and I think a lot of times the kids are given the stuff, and the parents get it at home, and they're like. Uh, it's another thing like <laughs> yeah. i'm already working i already have all these other things going on and suddenly my kid shows up with a magazine mm -hmm. it's like this is a project like this is a thing yeah this isn't just like a easy thing to do all of the yeah. kid was on the school bus all the way home looking at like oh my gosh i could get an xbox I get if i raise two hundred thousand dollars <laughs> for my school i get an xbox <laughs> uh, <laughs> gosh but for real um what we found while stepping back into participating in a fundraiser for a nonprofit that we're kind of connected to is having the knowledge of having helped with fundraisers really helped us to see it from a different perspective, have a lot of success in it, but then also um, bring back some information for you guys, the viewers and the listeners of the podcast to to think about fundraisers in a different way mm -hmm. and to really um make them more effective but not just because you're doing a great job selling stuff. Right. Now, these principles will apply if you're at the top of an organization, if you're running a fundraiser and you're trying to teach the people who are participating in it how to be more successful with it. 
Uh, the principles also carry over into other things like events and volunteer opportunities. So there's a lot here. It's not just like, mm-hmm. if you're not running a popcorn fundraiser, this isn't good. No, it's very applicable. <laughs> like, we're going to keep the principles general, but use this kind of as a framework for helping you understand how this is possible and the better principles. And I think this has changed a lot in the last probably 10 to 15 years. Mm-hmm. Because technology has massively shifted the way that stuff is done. Um, But it's also shifted how culture and how people communicate. And so understanding how these things fit together is highly important. Because if you're running a fundraiser, the way fundraisers were run in the 90s, you're missing out on huge amounts of support. Whether or not that's financial support, you're missing out on huge amounts of support. So this is something really important. Um that we all need to know and get better at as nonprofit leaders. So the big thing that we found was not like (laughs) tips to do better on social media with your fundraiser or tips for like better text campaigning or phone call campaigning or any of that stuff. The biggest thing that we found out is, and and we've kind of known, but we got to like put it into practice and saw results (laughs) was what are you actually selling? You know, we've talked about that a little bit before on the podcast and and in some of our like other materials and stuff that we do. But what are you actually selling is a huge deal when you're doing these fundraisers. If you're like selling Girl Scout cookies, are you really selling cookies? Yeah. You know, if, if you're, you're selling wreaths, are you really selling the wreath? If you're selling whatever it might be, mm-hmm. wrapping paper, are you really selling the wrapping paper? I don't think we're usually selling what we think we're selling when Mm -hmm. it comes to these fundraisers. Um, I'm considered okay if I give a little bit of context for what we did. Go for it. So we have two boys that are part of an organization and they are going to be traveling this summer. They're going to Europe for 19 days. um, And so we have to pay for that. That's (laughs) the thing. Um, Which we were prepped. Like, I mean, we're like, all right, this is what we have to do. Prepared to do it. Yeah. The organization that they're a part of was selling popcorn, and they're doing it through a company called, I think it's Double Good. I'll put the link mm-hmm. in the in the description because they did a fantastic job. But it's gourmet popcorn. 50% of all the stuff goes to the boys. They offer a bunch of different flavors, and the pricing is very reasonable for what it is. Yeah. It's a no-touch fundraiser, and all of... So everything is contactless. Like, I love that. As a parent, I was like, I can get someone to buy some popcorn, and I never have to have it shipped to my house and then distribute the popcorn. Right. We don't have to find a way to get it to everybody. And yeah. So it's very, very nice in this culture and in this timing. So as we were getting started in it, the natural thing that people tend to lean toward is sell the popcorn. Mm-hmm. Know the pricing, know what kind of flavor, talk about the quality, talk about the quantity, talk about how families can have movie nights with the popcorn and how they will just enjoy eating the popcorn, how they can have sweet popcorn and salty popcorn and the popcorn's going to bring joy to their life. That is the natural inclination when there's fundraisers. And that's, oh. and that's just natural inclination when you're selling. You want to talk about all the like you want to talk about the product. Mm-hmm. If they're going to pay money for a product, you want them to feel good about what they're buying. Right. Mm hmm. And a lot of times, though, in fundraisers, the thing that you're selling is actually not the popcorn. And once you realize this, it's going to change the way that you communicate. For us, we were not selling the popcorn. 
The popcorn was a mechanism to make it really easy for us to reach out to people in a way that was low pressure. Mm -hmm. But what we were selling, um, if you're listening on Simplecast, you can't see air quotes, but what we were selling um, (laughs) was the opportunity to support our boys going to Europe. The Mm -hmm. opportunity to help them travel, to see new cultures, to see the world, to be able to meet other kids who are doing similar activities, um, to have all these fantastic experiences, experiences that they will remember for the rest of their lives. We were, quote unquote, selling the chance for them to just support our family and to join us in this really cool adventure. And the popcorn was simply just a mechanism and a tool to make it really easy because it's one thing for me to message somebody like, our boys are going to Europe. Could you give us money? Or our boys are going to Europe. Here's some really good popcorn. Like it's just, it's a different, it's just different. It's different conversations. It makes it way easier. Um, And so we had to recognize we are not selling the popcorn. We are utilizing the popcorn fundraiser as a tool, but we are not selling the popcorn. And that's really, really important to know. And so while we were doing this, it was just it became clearer and clearer that as organizational leaders, as nonprofit leaders, it's super important that we equip the people who are helping with the fundraiser mm-hmm. with this knowledge. Because like as a as an organizational leader, like I think we kind of naturally get it. We're we're doing this fundraiser because we're helping doing this thing. But if you're a part of an organization that has like parent involvement or you know just like people involvement that they're helping with the fundraiser it's not just like a a fundraising event where the leader of the organization is getting up in front of everybody and asking for money but you have a lot of people helping to raise like some money in some places which is a huge benefit if you can find a way to run one of these fundraisers and do it in a way that a lot of people join link arms with you you want to equip them with the tools to do it well and it's not in helping them to learn how to sell sell the products well. Mm-hmm. Hey, these flower bulbs are great. They're perennial flowers, so they're going to just they're always going to be there in your garden. Da, da, da. It's like, no. Boy Scouts of America is a great organization because blank. Right. Because you don't want to educate the people on the product that you're selling. I mean, Maybe a little bit if it's part of the fundraising process. But really what you're trying to do is use this as an opportunity to educate people who don't know about your organization about your organization. Mm -hmm. Do you want to buy some flowers? They're great flowers. More importantly, the money from the flowers is going to help this organization, which does this mission statement. And we do that by executing in these three areas And at the end of the day, we're going to help this many people. Like, we're not selling the flowers. Um, And it's interesting, but when you fundraise, understanding that the flowers isn't the reason that you're doing it, and it's not, like, the thing that you're really trying to have happen, instead you get super good at that other side of the communication, communicating about your organization, communicating about what the event is, communicating on why people would want to participate, communicating on like, you are helping two phenomenal boys that we know you care about because you care about our family to be able to experience something great. When you get great at communicating that, a lot of people bypass whatever the thing is that you're selling and just say, that part doesn't even matter. How do I help? Question mark, period. And ultimately, that's what you're trying to raise money for anyway, right? mm -hmm. 
you're not trying to sell popcorn. The popcorn is a mechanism to get to the fundraising part. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, organizations that link up with businesses that want to help give them that tool to do that, they forget about the part where it's like, we're actually trying to raise money here, first and foremost. And secondarily, we use this as a tool to do that rather mm-hmm. than the only way that the money can come in. Right. Uh, we have seen organizations that run events or like partner with businesses for events, maybe like a game night or a night out somewhere or whatever it might be. And they get focused on, we want to make sure we're speaking correctly about our organization at this event, but we need to make sure the event is explained well. And yes, you want people to understand what they're doing and why they're showing up. But there has to be a part in the back of our minds as nonprofit leaders that's also saying, this is my opportunity to educate a large group of people who have no idea what I'm doing about what we're doing. And if I do that effectively, if I explain the why effectively, if I explain that we know what we're doing effectively, if I explain how much impact we've had to date and how much we're going to have going forward and how that impact is going to ripple in the community People are going to give at this event, which means I better have a way for people to donate. Mm -hmm. It is interesting. I want to say like shocking um, to me how many nonprofit leaders will go to an event and not have a way for people to donate at that event. Not that you have to show up and be like, I'm at the event. Here are a bunch of pledge cards. Not that. But if you understand how to effectively communicate about your nonprofit and you are effectively communicating, the natural outcome of that, of having um, the vision lined up in a way, the right action set up with the right stories and being able to explain the metrics, the way all of that works together, the natural outcome of that is resources. The natural Mm -hmm. outcome of that is financial resources and volunteerism resources. And so going into events, even fundraising events, especially fundraising events, the natural outcome is going to be money if everything else that you're doing is working well. So you need to make sure that you have a way for people to purchase through the fundraiser, but then also just have a way for people to donate separately from the fundraiser. Mm -hmm. And if you have people who raise their hand and say, I can't give, but I want to volunteer, you need to have a way to collect their information, know that you are going to follow up with them and not let them fall through the cracks. We saw this in play in a really awesome way at a, at a recent gala that we attended. They were doing a silent auction and then they had like a uh, like a, a loud auction, I guess. A live auction? <laughs> yes. <laughs> they have a silent auction and a loud auction. No, the live auction. <laughs> but they also had a significant portion of the live auction that didn't buy anything. Yeah. They weren't auctioning off items. They were just auctioning off donation levels. Yeah. And I think a lot of like galas that are run really well, they know that this is a this is a thing that really works well, but it's because they know that they spent all the time selling the organization and what the organization is going to provide and do that the auction items that were up for bid before are kind of almost like we do this just because it's sort of fun, but the real thing that we're actually doing here and the real thing that you really want to give to is this thing that you don't get anything in return. And they did such a great job with it that this organization, I think, charged like $75 per ticket just to get into the event. Um, they had the silent auction there. They had other things that you could pay money to get other items. Um They had the auction with like six or seven 
higher ticket items. Mm -hmm. But then when they did that portion of it, they didn't start out at like, who wants to contribute $100? It was like, I think they started at $10,000 or $15,000. They said first level, $15,000. And everyone who wanted to give $15,000 held their paddle up until (laughs) the caller, um, the auctioneer, said the number on the paddle and they recorded it. And then they went to $10,000. And then they went to Mm $5,000. Then they went to whatever it was. And it was crazy because the biggest part of the auction was the part where they weren't auctioning anything. Yeah. And everything from the night was so set up that by the time you got there, it was like, yeah, I I get why people are raising up their paddle right now. Why people who would not bid on the items for $2,000 were giving five and $10,000. Because they understood the purpose of this is not the items because I just want to give to the organization. I'm going to leave the items for someone who maybe wouldn't give on its own. You know what I mean? I I think another piece of this too is like learn how to talk about your organization in a way and equip your people who are partnering with you in fundraising. If you, especially if you're doing one of these fundraising, you're giving a product to somebody to actually like take out candy bars. That was another one. Candy bars. I was like, there, there are a bunch of these. I can't remember. Um, where you're putting like give them the tools to be able to sell the fundraising as if they didn't even have a product. Mm. You know, the best the times that I bought the most candy bars from kids from high school is when they said, Hey, I'm going to band camp. It's a lot of money, but it's it's worth it. I'm gonna learn mm. music, I'm gonna do all this stuff. And so I'm selling candy bars. Like they sold me on that they're gonna go and learn music and yep. learn a love for music and then i was like oh and i get chocolate like, yeah, like <clears throat> so i'll give you money it's it's really good to remember that equip your people with the ability to sell the benefit of donating to the organization and the cool thing about that is they can do that even if there isn't popcorn if you teach them how to do it they can do it at the next family gathering they can talk about how amazing this organization is that their kids get to be a part of or that they get to be a part of. And people might say, hey, I want to I want to help with that. Right. Because if the only thing that you're training people to do is sell popcorn and not talk about your organization, then once the popcorn fundraiser is done, they don't have anything else to talk about. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to communicate about it going forward. But if you can train them, the popcorn is a tool to make this really easy um, and to just give you something, it, it just kind of makes it a little bit simpler. But here's mm-hmm. how we're going to talk about it first. So for us, the way that we ask people, like we sent out text messages for most people. Um, there were a couple phone calls that happened, but for the most part, it was like text messages. And it was very much not about the popcorn. Our boys have the chance to go to Europe for 19 days. Here's where they're going to be going. Here's what they're going to be doing. Here's what they're going to get to experience. As part of this, because, you know, not stated, but very much they understand we're paying for this trip. (laughs) We're mom and dad. We're on the hook. Um, As part of this, we're doing a 48-hour fundraiser selling gourmet popcorn. I'm wondering if you would like to help support our boys. Here's the link. Thank you so much. Like... It's pretty simple. The amount. It was like two paragraphs about our boys and what they're going to get to do. And like two sentences. About the popcorn. So if you'd like to support, here's the popcorn. Here's Mm -hmm. what we're doing. Because we still wanted to do it. But I think the natural inclination is to be, 
This weekend, we're fundraising for a trip for our boys, and we're selling gourmet popcorn. There's cheesy popcorn. There's this popcorn. There's this popcorn. There's this popcorn. Prices range from this to this, and 50%. Oh, I did say 50% went to the boys in there, too. Um, 50% goes to the boys. And also, it would mean a lot to our family if you would support us and support them in this adventure. Like... The the, I, I don't, the real why yes. becomes an afterthought if it's done that way. Mm-hmm. And Thank you. you always want to start with why. And I was going to say, there's another piece of this, too. Fundraising in the 90s, when like we grew up, and that was like the thing, right? You'd go door to door, and you'd sell this stuff. And there, it was kind of like this, um, there was this zeitgeist about it, too. It was kind of like, oh, it's fundraiser time. And it was, you know, it was all hands on deck. There wasn't like internet stuff to make things easier it was it was literally like a shipping like this is this is awesome because it comes straight to your door like you're gonna have a boy scout come and deliver the flower bulbs to your door where it's like now with amazon and whatever like everything comes to my door like i you know fast food comes to my door right groceries come to my whatever i want to come to my door i can get to come to my door i don't really need it and so, especially in this case, where it was it was really great for the organization not to have to do the fulfillment, but people know, and they they know that they're paying more because it's a fundraiser. So you're not going to sell them on popcorn that costs twice as much as it should. But what you will sell them on is helping an organization. And by the way, you get some popcorn. Right. You were you're probably gonna help us anyway. Now you have something to eat while you feel good about yourself. <laughs> or um, maybe like you you're eating popcorn and like normally you would like eat it while you're depressed and like sad and lonely and now you're like, Well at least I No, it's happy someone. popcorn. <laughs> Instead I of mean... depression popcorn. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> but I was thinking about that and on top of that, culturally too, I pretty much anybody who's had kids or anybody who's grown up as a kid, has done a fundraiser now, too. So everybody knows what it is. It's not like anybody's like, oh, this is an interesting thing I've never heard of before. The deals must be great. Like, everybody knows that it's it's not a way to save money. It's not really a way to save time anymore, where, where that was maybe kind of part of it before. Mm-hmm. Now it is simply only I get to help an organization. Yeah. So you've got to start with why and start with the organization itself and Help your people develop a really quick, straight to the point pitch that actually encourages people and gets people excited about helping the organization. Yep. And by the way, you get chocolate. Yep. And by the way, you get wrapping paper. (laughs) Now, the second part to this, I think, is really important is make sure that you're being very intentional about who you're asking. There is a part with fundraising where it's like, ask anyone and ask everyone, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say like niche down so hard that you're only asking two people. It's a fundraiser and it's meant to help build up what your organization is doing. At the same time, when we started this, we recognized we don't have the energy to contact every single person that we know. And certain people, we didn't necessarily want that to be the first point of contact that we've had with them in X number of months or whatever the case may be. So the first thing that we did for this was actually make a list of the people that we wanted to reach out to. It was people that have actually been connected to our family. Um, And like, we didn't really want to reach out to a whole bunch of people who had no idea who our kids were. 
Like, I understand that a lot of people might have supported us, but it's just something a little bit easier. If I'm asking for support for the boys, if they know I have some connection, have some connection. Yeah, it's Um, not like people we knew in high school and they like didn't even know we had kids (laughs) (laughs) or something. Um, And then also having it be people that we would enjoy hearing back from them. Now, if you're listening to this, I didn't text you. Our list wasn't fully complete. We could have gone a lot more, but we sat down for <laughs> you're like, like, hey, <laughs> I know like, them. You didn't text me, though. And I know your family. Um, We only sat down for like a specific amount of time and said, all right, let's make the list. And then when we were done with that amount of time, we're like, OK, we need to go on to the next thing mm-hmm. because sometimes you just have to do that. Right. So like we made our list of people on one day. And then the next day, we actually did the contacting. Now, the fundraiser itself technically went from Thursday to Monday, which is nice. Not having this long thing that's weeks long or a ton of different days or whatever it might be. It yeah. gives people a chance to do it and then be done with it. I would I would um, recommend for organizational leaders, even if you are doing a fundraiser, that's like a two week long thing. Like... Shorten it, it. like artificially shorten it. So that way there's a lot of like concentrated push effort happening in just a couple days. And then we artificially shortened it from there. Even more. And we dropped it down to 48 hours. So our Thursday and Friday were kind of full with other stuff and other commitments that we had. And we knew that we could start it, but it wasn't wise for us and what we needed to have happen. Mm-hmm. And so we started on Saturday and I didn't start right away Saturday morning. I started after I woke up and after I had coffee. Mm-hmm. So we kind of had a slow morning and then we started and we jumped in and just reached out to all the people that were mm-hmm. on the list. And then once we were done reaching out to people on the list, we stopped. We weren't like, okay, now let's find more people for the list. I'm not saying you can't do that. And if you want to do that, do that. But we don't need to burn ourselves out fundraising and make it so that we cannot contribute to the organization going forward. Yeah. Like we need to be very aware of what our capacity is in a season, both as leaders and as participants. Um, And part of this for us was recognizing we have a certain amount of energy that we can just get through all this really, really quickly, but then we have to be able to come up for air and focus on other stuff for the weekend because we have a big week coming up. Um, and as a leader of an organization, you don't necessarily want to run a two-week fundraiser because you have to keep all the people motivated for two weeks. You have to answer their <laughs> questions for two weeks. Mm-hmm. You have to send out encouraging emails and texts for two weeks. You have to call people and check in for two weeks. You have two weeks of the ups and downs of the getting motivation and losing motivation. It's a long time to keep people going for two weeks, but yeah. most of us can do it for 48 hours. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, like, <laughs> keep that in mind as an organizational leader. Again, like, we, you know, we're talking about this from the our experience being inside of it, but my thought process is if we ever run a fundraiser like that, we have just a fantastic wealth of information now on how to do it well that we can, you know, pass on to listeners and stuff too. Yeah. It's just an interesting conversation, but yeah. like really, really drilling down and remembering sell the organization, you know, streamline how much time that you're giving to the fundraiser, make sure the people that are partnering with you for the fundraiser have the tools 
to be able to do it really well. Yeah. I'll say um, with the specific fundraiser, it was great for us uh, because the tools were really, really easy and really. Can, you want to talk about the the tools with the? This is not sponsored by Double Good, no. But <laughs> they not, did a. Fa- it was a fantastic it fundraiser, was fantastic. and it's, it's a good idea to kind of keep a lookout for these kinds of things for. Uh, fundraisers that you yep. might use in the future. And this was interesting for us because we've done a lot with events, um, mm-hmm. not the individual sales fundraisers as much, but mm-hmm. great. Um, one, for the leader of the org, that um, they had a whole marketing packet. So then she actually sent all the stuff out to the participants. So it had professional photos of the products, um, actual information, a place that it was like a PDF where you could put your organization's logo in. Like it had all the stuff that you might want to be able to use. So one of the it days- It even had some stuff that I was like, how would you ever use it? Like yeah. <laughs> PowerPoint slides, I think in there. And I, I was like, huh? I don't know if that was in the marketing packet. Oh, I think that was maybe a suggestion. Later. Okay. I was that like- That we could make something. I don't think that, <laughs> I'm not going to put- that one on double good <laughs> okay um, would, i can't imagine that'd be quite funny though um having a powerpoint presentation where you're like and this is like, and yeah, yeah at your house so you pull it up in front of your family this is cheesy popcorn oh. but then it also had um an app and so every person from the organization so it had like the event for like the overall organization And then each member of the organization that was participating filled out a profile and had like their own name. So you had your own link that you could send people to to buy out of your own shop. Um, And then you could actually set a goal. So as you're going, people who are going on could see how close you were to your goal. And it had like a little bar that filled up. And then it also had a list of all the participants and kept score for a leaderboard. Um, Which was kind of fun. It sort of gamified it. It was kind of fun. It gamified it. And, um, but it, yeah, the thing was just set up nicely. It had a place for a picture of whoever the people were, the organization. It had a spot for a video. It had a spot for what the thing is, like what you're raising money for. Um, Mm -hmm. So that you could actually write down what the why was and how it worked. So, like, just the way that it was set up was just so clean and easy. That mm-hmm. I really appreciated it. And what was cool, too, is and it was it pro- professional. It provided some really great and easy ways to do follow up, too. Mm-hmm. So there was an app that you had on your phone. And every time someone would buy a little bit of popcorn through the fundraiser, it would go ding and it would like show up. So then right away, we could text and be like, hey, thank you so much for whatever. Because if you have been listening to us for any amount of time, you know that we believe mm-hmm. that follow up is like the best tool ever yeah. to, for your organization. And if you do a great job with follow up, things will just go well. So yep. we were really, really impressed to see that follow up was an important piece of it um, so that you could reach out. And we're excited too to follow up even further down the road with all the people who helped out and, you know, send them pictures of the trip and like that yeah. kind of stuff too. But so a couple other things with it. We personally, mm-hmm. I kept a list of every person who donated, how much they donated and what platform they donated on. Because <clears throat> like I said, this was a great conversation starter. We had so many people that responded with, can I just give cash instead? Yeah. Can like, I just I send really... you money? Like, or I like popcorn, but can I just send you the money? Or I don't really care for popcorn. Can I send you the money? We did make popcorn sales, which was great because I think we had some people who I, I had one person who's like, I love popcorn. Can I buy popcorn? <laughs> yeah, there were a couple of people who were like, you had me at popcorn. And I'm mm-hmm. like, 
But I said popcorn last. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which means we didn't have you with like our kids and our family and all the other stuff. Um, so we did make sales with popcorn, but we had just a stunning amount of people who were like, hey, I appreciate that you're doing a fundraiser, but can we just send you money? Can we just contribute directly so that instead of 50% going to the to your tr- your boys' trip, 100% can. Right. And so with that, we had to very – we had. And we are, I already had the stuff set up, but we needed to make sure that we had all of the information easily available so we could just respond with that. Mm-hmm. And then as I got the little notifications that money had come in other ways, we also sent out a message pretty much right away mm-hmm. that said, hey, thank you so much for supporting our family. As yeah. um, the other part is, as we reached out to people, we had some people say, yeah, I'll buy some popcorn. And they didn't make a purchase right away. And so we had then a separate message, like the a couple hours before the thing ended and said, hey, thank you so much for being willing to take a look at it. I just want a gentle reminder that the store closes at whatever time. Um, but either way, thank you for supporting our family. Yep. Like, it was one of those like, even I if, give you, people, if, even if, if they decided you they didn't want to do yeah, it. Yeah, if you looked at it and said you didn't want to do it. Thank you for, for for still supporting our family because I don't want to negate the relationship just because someone didn't want to spend $20. Yeah. Like, that's not worth it to me. So I want to, like, we have to be very careful that we are not burning bridges doing fundraisers. Yeah. That we are not deciding whether or not people are for us or against us based on how much money they buy or give yeah, or and there, whatever. And there are really different reasons why they would or wouldn't, mm-hmm. too. I mean, somebody who really loves popcorn might go crazy and just buy, like, ridiculous amounts where someone who really, really loves our family might not have extra money right now. Yeah. And, you know? I had... and so it, it, it like mm-hmm. you have to be careful as an organizational leader not to equate people's level of commitment with their level of relationship with you yep. or how much they care. Um, however, the way that you care for them on the back end of that is going to only garner trust mm-hmm. over time if you do it well which can turn into resources in lots of other ways. Yeah. Uh, specifically, you know, if, if people don't have money, like networks are huge. Yep. You might talk to someone who's like, hey, you know, I, I really want to support your kids, but I can't right now. But uh, I j- it's so important. I'm going to talk to my rich uncle and see mm-hmm. if he'll support your kid. You know, so like things can can go There's... nuts if you care for people well. Right. And it has to be a genuine care. And part of that goes back to the original, um, know who you're talking to Mm -hmm. for your organization and fundraisers, because so much of the time needs to be spent educating people about the fundraisers and starting those conversations. Then you can follow up down the road about whatever else might be going on with your organization. You want to make sure that those people still fit into that right people category. Yeah. If you know someone is just not the right fit for your organization. And it's hard because as leaders, there's such a desire in us to say, anyone can give, anyone can volunteer, everyone can be the right person. Um, But when you know the people who really jive with what you do and what you're trying to do, who you are as a leader and who is going to really not make you hate the fact that you started an organization. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, You want to be careful, even in the fundraising, that you're still, you know, using that just a little bit, at least keeping it in mind. 
Because you might be opening a door to someone who then gives money or buys something and now they feel like they have a right to tell you how part of the organization should be run. And so there's still Mm -hmm. a level where you want to include a lot of people in it because, I mean, it's a fundraiser. You want people to know what you're doing, but you also want to be careful about how you're managing that. With that event that we went to, the $75 ticket to get in the door is a pretty good screening tool because Mm -hmm. if they would have said anyone can come and it's totally free, they would have people in the room who would never pay $75 to be there. But the people who are willing to pay $75 to be there were also more likely to be people who would bid on higher ticket items. Yep. And so... It's a sorting mechanism. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because we all have people in our lives who wouldn't pay $20 for something, but they'll come for free to get free food. And I want to be careful. I'm not trying to, like, say that that's not okay. But if the end goal is to raise money, you want people in the room who are going to say, I want to spend the money. Yeah. I'm I'm willing to. You owe it to your organization to think through the right people question when it comes to your donors. Mm -hmm. And that can be hard because as a nonprofit, you're like, well, the right person is is anybody who is going to drop money. money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anybody who will give me money. And no, there are plenty of wrong people who will give you money. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just absolutely the truth. And so you got to actually think through that. Yeah. But uh, hey, this has been a super awesome conversation about the fundraisers and what you're actually selling. Keep that in mind. If you are thinking about doing fundraisers in the near future and you just kind of want to share with us what it is that you're working on, that can be some really great fodder for future episodes. And we also just love hearing from you. We would love to hear your questions or things that you're spinning in your head. Like, how should I do like this? Always send us an email to office at LegacyBuildersIntl.com. Thanks for listening to the Legacy Builders Movement. If you appreciate this podcast and find that it's valuable, the best way that you could help us is to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. To learn more about Legacy Builders, go to LegacyBuildersInternational.com. That's LegacyBuildersIntl.com.